listening to Carnivore Conversations, a podcast exploring the benefits of keto, carnivore, intermittent feasting, and other lifestyle hacks. Each week, we'll be interviewing a special guest from the keto carnivore community and so much more. This is your host, board-certified and practicing physician, Dr. Robert Kiltz. Yeah, it's really exciting today uh, on uh, Carnivore Conversations to have Charles Mayfield, who is the founder of Pharaoh Skincare. And Pharaoh Skincare was born from his professional accomplishments as a risk consultant uh, for food companies, healthy food author, and advocate for regenerative farming practices. We're going to have a lot to talk about, I can tell. Pharaoh is the first lard-based skincare company in the U.S. and is gaining momentum as people experience the incredible healing power of smart lard technology for human skin. And uh, Pharaoh is based out of East Eastern Tennessee and continue, contains no chemicals, preservatives, or water in any of its handcrafted uh, products. Uh, Charles, welcome and thank you for uh, being here with us today. Appreciate it. It's an absolute pleasure to be here, Dr. Kiltz, and uh, certainly appreciate the opportunity to, to chew the fat, as we say. Well, well, uh, maybe just start off by telling a little bit about yourself, where you're at, and uh, how'd you get into the skincare business? Great question. So I, I'm, yes, as, as you said in the intro, I'm, I live in East Tennessee. I was born and raised here, uh, migrated to Atlanta, Georgia for college way back in a, a while ago, graduated from Georgia Tech in 1997 and really jumped uh, career-wise, jumped into the insurance and financial services industry. Uh, fast forward, you know, decade and a half or so and ran into uh, uh, the CrossFit scene. If you, uh, I'm sure many of your listeners are familiar with that, that ultimately introduced me to a guy by the name of Rob Wolf. And uh, so sort of found CrossFit, was introduced to paleo uh, as a dietary sort of ethos. Uh And uh, yeah, so my, I've co-authored a number of cookbooks in that, in that space, in the, in the paleo cookbook space. And um, and the paleo world sort of ultimately introduced me to some folks like uh, Joel Salatin with Polyface Farms and Will Harris, some of the folks in the sort of on the leading edge of regenerative ag got me totally hooked on farming. And so in 2016, moved back to East Tennessee, where I'm from, with sort of lofty aspirations of getting into regenerative farming. Uh, I also made a, a return back into sort of the insurance and risk mitigation world at that point. Having seen, and we can talk about that a little bit later, but just sort of sort of the needs in the emerging food and agriculture and, and, and product space as it relates to sort of this, again, sort of burgeoning carnivore, paleo, keto community. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, had, a, had an absolutely nasty sunburn back in 2019 that um, uh, in sort of an act of desperation and curiosity, I... Uh, treated the sunburn with some lard and, uh, and lo and behold, it, it, it really, <laughs> my sunburn was gone in a matter of days and then I never peeled. And we, we, we have a story on our website about that, but that was the sort of the watershed moment. And, um, and yeah, I, I took, I looked around, started playing around, making some creams in my kitchen and, uh, I call it Dr. Kiltz, I, I call it my paleo lens, right? You, you know, if you can't pronounce the ingredients, you don't eat it. And if, you know, if it comes in a box and doesn't spoil, yeah. you probably shouldn't put it in your mouth. And 
And when I shined that lens uh, over on skincare, ha having had this sort of awesome moment of, of healing, if you will, it's like, man, this, the skincare world is more toxic than the food world. And who would have ever thought that? And so, yeah, just uh, tinkered around, tinkered around with uh, recipes and various concoctions and settled on a, a recipe. I probably sent 1,500, 2,000 little samples out to, uh, I was farming at the time. So we were, we were growing, growing pigs and, 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 and beef and chicken for, for customers. And so I just, I, when I, when I dropped off some pork chops, I'd drop off a little jar of this stuff and try it out, try it out. And so, you know, we, we, we launched Pharaoh in January of 2022. And, uh, here we are met, met you at, at KetoCon uh, this past year, which was an absolute pleasure. And so, yeah, it's just, it's, it's fun to circle back around with you and, and talk about the origin story of Pharaoh and sort of some of the nefarious things going on in skincare. Well, skincare is, is humongous. And, and um, maybe you could talk a little bit about the problems of skincare in general and why is it um, so toxic potentially? And uh, people continue to run for something that maybe isn't the best for them. And since I'm in the fertility world, I know reproduction. One of the problems is uh, cosmetics and many skincare products contain some endocrine disrupting chemicals. And why do you think the lard based is something we should all be looking towards? Great question. Well, we can we can we can start at the beginning there. Uh, the the skincare industry at large is is full of toxicity uh, and 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 a complete lack of consumer protection. So the uh, the the governing act or governmental act regulation that that I guess is the gatekeeper of of consumer safety for cosmetics is the Food and, and Cosmetics Act of 1938. And when that act was written uh, many many moons ago, we're coming up on uh, you know almost the centennial anniversary of that act. Yeah. Um, there, there were only two at the time, this is 1938, right? At the time, there were only two ingredients, really one that were, that required pre-market safety testing by the manufacturer. And those were color additives. And if you, you know, again, it's, it's very hard for most of us to relate to anything in 1938, you know, uh, mo most folks are long gone from from those times. But yeah. if you look at if you fast forward uh, to today and 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 they have updated um, since since the 1938 act, they have updated that legislation twice, both times excluded cosmetics. So this is this is under the FDA. This is, you know, food safety and various other consumer safety um, guidelines. And so, by and large, most of the consumer protection, if you will, around cosmetics today has more to do with labeling and making sure the ingredients are on the package and the address and things of that nature. It's got very little to do with, with consumer safety. And I would add to that, that in 1938, it's arguable that the most toxic things we could have put on our skin back then were color additives you know you th if you think about what we were uh, a derivative from maybe charcoal or or tar you know w w think about where we where we get color from in, in nature 
But you fast forward now, and, and if you look at some of these polyphenols and phthalates and parabens and all these chemicals that we've been able to manufacture and, and, and petroleum derivatives, you know, uh, mo most of skincare today is dominated by a waste product in the petroleum industry. And so, you know, the, the environment that our skin comes in contact with now versus a hundred or certainly a thousand years ago is, is very, very different. And so uh, the, 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 the line I like to draw in the sand with, with people and consumer products and skincare is water-based. Mm -hmm. And I can briefly explain why. So if you, it, when, when I first started playing with lard, you know, I had this sunburn moment. I was like, man, this is amazing. And so you go to the Google and you type in, how do I make skincare? And it's, you take water, you know, distilled water, you take a fat, you know, usually it was shea butter or coconut, you know, some, some fat is on the other end of the equation and emulsifier in between. And you heat them all up and mix them together. And here's your amazingly luscious cream. And, and they were a, my early creams were just out of this world until about seven to 10 days later, they would turn black and go rancid because the water in that mixture, right, was food for any airborne bacteria that, you know, floats around in the air. We're, we're around bugs all the time. We're, we're covered in them. Right, right. And so, yeah, so a water-based cream, which is 99% of them, is going to have compounds and chemicals in it that kill bacteria. Okay. Okay. And in addition to those compounds, which they may or may not be endocrine disrupting, but usually are, you've also got other compounds for, you know, uh, fragrances and all these artificial chemically derived compounds. Um, and so our skin and our GI tract, our entire uh, existence uh, coexists with, you know, billions upon billions of microscopic organisms, you know, we're covered in in bugs. And so these water based creams are, are, are disrupt not only disrupting our internal endocrine system mm -hmm. due to the signaling and uh, most mostly estrogen signaling, but also they're they're killing our our natural microbiome. And so why is lard better? Uh, yeah. I would say a couple things. So, so lard is, I've seen a couple of papers on this, you know, it's, it's going to be hard to find a double blind placebo study on lard, uh, similar to keto or although you're seeing some keto carnivore, uh, studies now. Uh, but, what I have read is that lard is the closest natural compound to human sebum, which is the natural oil that our glands uh, in our dermis produce to moisturize and lock in our uh, the moisture in our skin. And so mm -hmm. it aligns very well with human biology. Uh, you, you alluded to in the intro, the smart lard. And I know we'll talk about what, you know, what is smart lard. Well, you have to you have to raise a healthy, happy pig for their fat to be healthy. Mm -hmm. um, pigs, pigs are monogastric animals. They're pigs are four-legged humans. Uh, you're you're a doctor. Um, I, I, Phil Ovedi is a good friend of mine. He's a heart surgeon. I, I think you and Phil probably know each other pretty well. And I joke with Phil all the time because he uses pig parts to fix human bodies. Right. That's right. So the the that's biology. Right. That's right. Very similar. We we train our surgeons on pigs. 
right? We train our surgeons. We, we will, uh, we use pigs to derive, uh, natural, uh, hormones. If you're into, you know, testosterone replacement therapy, a, a lot of times you can, you can harvest that from the, from the glands of a, of a male pig. I mean, there's just all sorts of, there's all sorts of biological match between humans and pigs. And so if you raise a healthy, happy pig that has the sun, uh, uh, pigs vi- metabolize vitamin D from the sun the same way humans do. And so their fat is just chock full of nutrients. Uh, you know, the trifecta in skincare is vitamins A, E, and D. You could probably throw vitamin C in there as well. Uh, so you've got that as a, as a sort of a, a magic pill for, for optimal human skin or the, those three or four uh, vitamins. And then on top of that, you've got lipid balance. You know, how, how do the ratios of lard match up not only in pH balance, but also the, the ratios of monounsaturated, polyunsaturated, saturated fats. And it's, it's literally a spot on match. So lard is, 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 is the human skin is the lock and lard is the key. Question about, about lard and pigs. And I'm going to ask a little about, about their diet, um, on, on your farm. And how is that different from most pigs diet under most industrial uh, production? Great question. So there's a big argument going on right now with pork specifically, not only as a food stuff, but obviously we're going to, we're going to edge over into skincare about polyunsaturated fatty acid content. And so we, we fed our pigs a soy free, uh, non GMO diet. Uh, and, and, and so that's, that's the, the level of quality that I, I found great success with, not only as a, as a food stuff, you know, the taste, flavor, texture, you know, of, of the meat, but it seems to work very well in producing a quality fat, not only for cooking, but also for, for skincare. Have I had it tested in a lab? Nope, I have not. Uh, but I, I will certainly stand by a pastured pig. And so with any animal, you, and you know this, Dr. Kiltz, you have, you have two big environmental um, exposures. You have mm-hmm. diet over here. What am I ingesting? And then you have your environmental diet. Am I getting sun? Am I getting play? Am I getting fresh air, fresh water? Uh, in the case of a pig, am I getting fresh pasture and dirt? To, you know, the, the pigs will root and, and, and obtain... The, the, in a in a production model, which is I would say more than a couple pigs in your backyard, you know, fifty pigs, a hundred pigs. In a production model, you have to feed those pigs, right? right? So you you bring in a a, a a quality feed to to give them, but you're also giving them access to the land. And what do they get there? They they dig up grubs and nuts and. Uh, they're, they're probably eating a half a pound of dirt a day that's full of microbes and various, um, what I would call micronutrients, you know, that's mm-hmm. sort of like the mineral supplement for humans. And so you have to balance both of those. Uh, a pig would not be very healthy if you fed it the perfect diet and kept it in a house where it didn't have the sun and grew up on concrete. That would not be a healthy pig. I would, I would almost rather trade in optimal environment and less optimal food, right? I think humans are the same way. Like you give human plenty of sunshine and some exercise and fresh water. If they're eating okay, 
they're, they're going to be fairly healthy. So that's, that's what I would, that's what we fed our pigs. And that's, that, that's the standard that we use when we acquire food, uh, fat from, from other farms is, is a pasture based model, uh, soy free non-GMO. Which is, I think the most important thing. And I just curious because the, the, the skin of the, the external skin, the GI skin contains a lot of microbes and I'm not sure those are so good for us. And I'm just wondering if the fat from the skincare you offer uh, may be healthier because it reduces the microbe count. Mm. And it's kind of interesting. And I'm wondering, is standard um, skincare, you mentioned water-based, but are there also plant-based products in that? whether they be plant oils or other plant like phytochemicals or antigens that may also be part of that cream. Yeah. So I would, if, if I were to make a guess, it, the skincare market at large, I would say that, I would say that 95 to 96% of the market in terms of products is some form of water-based product. Now, on the other end of that water, you may have a coconut oil or a, a, an olive oil or some some um, plant-based oil at, right. a, as the as the fat ingredient. Okay, mm -hmm. and and then you, I would say, okay, so ninety-five percent is water-based. I would say four to four and a half percent of the market is, I would call it a water-free product that is plant-based. So your shea butters, your your coca, you know, you, <laughs> the skincare industry is a lot like the diet industry. You get on Google and the next thing you know, you're just confused. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of coconut oil products, there's a lot of plant-based products. If you look in the, in the historic literature, you know, we've been fascinated with skincare for millennia, you know, the right. Egyptians were, were heralded for their, you know, addiction to golden skin and all these various, and a lot of that were plant-based oils, olive oils and things like that. So we've been fascinated with 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 skin health and skin um, glowiness, if you will, for for forever. I would I would make the argument as, as well that for thousands of years, uh, it, you know, pick a random human out of the population anywhere on the planet, that human was in contact on a very regular basis with animal fat because right. they were they were <laughs> hunting and gathering and eviscerating and you know, turning a dead animal into something on the spit. And so we've, we've, whether we knew it or not, we've had, our skin has had contact with uh, visceral and subcutaneous animal fat for forever, uh, barring, barring really the last 150 years. I mean, if you look even back to the turn of the century, uh, eight, late 1800s, um, there, there's a reason Crisco, you know, the, the famous uh, seed oil, there's a reason it's white. Because when Procter and Gamble developed this, they looked around and the preeminent cooking fat of the time was lard. lard. Uh, I have a, a, a collection. Uh, my cousin actually has a collection of of antique lard tins from the turn of the century, and it, it would blow your mind. You know, this is pre refrigeration. This is pre, uh, you know, air conditioning. This is pre lots of things, and there's you know, literally fifty. 120, 10, 12, 15 pound tens of lard. And so lard at room temperature 
for your listeners that don't know is white. And so when Crisco came out uh, in, in the early 1900s, they uh, dyed it white and started their marketing campaign as the, you know, the latest and greatest cooking fat. And so I, I, I think I answered your question, but I, yeah, I did no, you did. I mean, this is fascinating. The stories are critical because where did we, where did we get this idea that we should shift from animal fats to plant fats, both in what we eat and what we put on our skin. And I think what I was trying to get to is that water dries the skin. When you put water on it, it evaporates and then it dries the skin. And then many of the products, the cosmetic pro products, the, the moisturizing products contain plant oils, or which are seed oils, which are also antigenic. Think of seeds and nuts are the most antigenic part of what we get, you know, we have allergies to. And so if our cosmetic products and our skincare products are containing the very thing that most of us are allergic to, we don't realize that. And there are a lot of sugars, I imagine, that come with the the breakdown of the of the other plant products, which then feeds the microbes in our skin. You know, it's kind of a, a vicious cycle. And, and I'm just curious what your experience has been with people utilizing the your your skincare products and the lard products. And, and then maybe you can tell us a little bit about your particular products and how they can be used. Yeah, I, so, well, first of all, the, the experiences have been uh, numerous and all over the board. Uh, everyone loves our products for a variety of different reasons. Uh, you, you brought up a couple of things. Uh, water dries our skin out. Absolutely does. Uh, if you've ever gotten out of the ocean or the swimming pool and just stood there for a minute, you, you know, the, the evaporative process will, will uh, pe people will put a water-based skincare product on their skin and it goes on wet and then, you know, 30 seconds later it's dry. And the, and the conventional wisdom is, oh, it's soaked into my skin. That's not what just happened. What just happened was all of the water that was emulsified into that product just evaporated. And, and if anyone understands how evaporative cooling works, it, it, it not only evaporated off your skin, it, 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 clung to any moisture that was near the surface of your skin and pulled it with it. Right. So that's not good. Um, yeah. I mean, in terms of where we're making an impact, uh, you have to be careful about claims and whatnot. And uh, so I'm, I'm not making any claims, but just experiences, People's experiences. Yeah. That's, so that's so, a good one. That's all you could share. Yeah. Right. That's right. So, so people's experiences that, so there's two sides to the skin, trouble market. You've got sort of acute skin conditions and then you've got chronic skin conditions. So we'll, we'll start on the acute side of the house. For me personally, I haven't had razor burn in three years. So, you know, that's, that's a common acute, you know, here and gone back, maybe down the road skin condition. Uh, I haven't had razor burn. I, I know it's highly effective at uh, what I would call mitigating and relieving sunburn and, and actually reducing the impact of peeling. Um, again, that was, that was the miracle for me is when I never peeled. I mean, doc, I was lobster red. This, this is one of those epic sunburns. Right. And so, um, yeah, on the acute side of the house, uh, acne, um, 
you know, some acne could be classified as chronic, but, but some not. Uh, acne's, there's a million different causes for acne, but one of, one of those is an overproduction of sebum. Uh, you know, we should, we should fold this into our conversation. We over um, sanitize. We soap up. Now you're a doctor, you know, you work in a clinical setting, you know, I'm sure the, the washing and sanitizing is part of your regular day, but as a general population, we are the toxicity in skin cleaning and sanitizing uh, products is absurd. And, and so we, we've been convinced that, you know, we should, we should soap and scour and sanitize so much. And when we do that, we're stripping, we're stripping natural oils uh, off of our skin. And so, you know, the body wants to be in, in a state of homeostasis. It's going to send signals. Oh my gosh, we need to produce more oil. And so a, a lot of acne is, um, we, we've gotten stories from acne be, being relieved uh, by sort of getting back to the balance, uh, you know. Which, so, which so I'd actually, if I may just make a comment about that, because fat, animal fat suppresses microbe, which suppresses the inflammation caused by the microbial growth on our skin. See, yeah. I think the excessive microbes in our skin and in our gut are not good for us. The microbiome is actually ultimately the, the cause of disease mm. and and not good for us, even though people say it is. And so the sebum that our body makes uh, reduces the microbes and kills them because the immune system requires fat to function properly. And there's interesting, there was a recent study I read that fed cows coconut oil or castor oil, 30% of their diet and the cows hmm. died. It turns hmm. out the, 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 the oils from the, from the coconut and the castor bean actually um, suppressed uh, the microbes and killed them. And cows can't live without the microbes in their ruminant. And so my suspicion is in our case, we don't have a ruminating gut. So the microbes are actually not good for us. But the same thing goes on our skin because acne and many of the diseases related are all secondary to the proliferation of the microbes, which likely is secondary to the disruption of the sebum, the natural oils in our skin, which are animal fats, technically. They're not plant oils, they're animal. And, and so that's where I'm betting the real benefit comes, if that makes any sense. It, it does. I, I'm going to, I'm going to nudge you a little bit there. Cause I, I love this thread um, because these bugs, okay. I like to rewind the clock. You know, we, we have been coexisting with a human microbiome for as long as we have existed. Um, True. In, in fact, it, you could argue uh, there's a lot of data around, there's a lot of data around long-term uh, immunity problems for children that don't have vaginal births. So, you know, the, the coming down the vaginal canal during birth is, is literally covering that infant in its first call it uh, environmental exposure, which is all the different microbes, you know, that inhabit the, the mother's vaginal canal. 
and they've done some really fascinating studies there. So I, I completely agree with you in that a disruption of what we'll call an ideal human microbiome is, is very detrimental to our health on a number of levels. And so I do agree that, that the microbiome has a role, okay? And we are doing so much uh, destruction. Again, back to the, these compounds in our skincare, these preservatives in our food, that the, 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 the food that sits on a shelf for a year has things in that food that kill bacteria. Okay, and so I, I it, it is my belief that we have disrupted and encouraged overgrowth of various poor micro. If you look at the the small intestinal in SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, a lot of this stuff is driven by either sugar consumption. Uh, I would argue there's a there's a role being played by the preservatives that we're consuming that get down there and disrupt uh, our 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 gastrointestinal microbiome. So I, I I agree with you that we need to be very respectful and mindful of these co-inhabitants and we need to do everything we can not to piss them off. Uh, well, if well, I may. It, it, no, it's, but it's very interesting because if you think about it, we're studying the microbiome in a plant-based low fat environment. And so if you look at James Henry Salisbury's work, Salisbury steak guy, he showed that the microbes proliferate in the gut and they're killing us. They go out the rectum, up into the vagina, likely the skin and the penis, same thing, get up into our GI tract and go everywhere. They go up through the esophagus and they go up into the upper respiratory and lower respiratory system. And so ultimately, the microbes are proliferating because of a plant-based lean meat diet because mm. microbes ferment amino acids and sugars. So the at the lack of fat is is not suppressing the microbes so the idea of good and bad bacteria microbes i think it's a fallacy that we've been duped because what how can a bacteria be good or bad maybe they're bad because we allow the inflammatory environment to proliferate because of lean meat plants low fat back to the no animal fat where we might have had a better suppression of the microbes in our gut we were highly exposed to these things if you wounded yourself they they break through the 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 skin covering i burnt myself a couple of weeks ago and um the skin covering was removed and uh, it it was very red and swollen it took a number of 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 we a week, couple of weeks to heal and even a small little opening, which is the sugar coating that protects me, gets damaged because of the plant-based low animal fat diet. If simply people would add fat to the inside, but and I this is where I think you have some really interesting comments that you need to add the fat to the outside, mm -hmm. not plant oils, animal fat. And it's interesting, when I was a, a teenager, I used to have terrible eczema and psoriasis to my hands. I mean, they were peeling, they were red. I would put lanolin, which comes from sheep, and gloves, and literally in a few days it would heal up and be fine. Now, I don't I actually don't know the the cause, but 
I had migraines, arthritis, uh, uh, all sorts of disorders as a, a young child that, you know, it just happened to me that it, it, it proliferated in my hands and my, my skin, but it was a lack of animal fat and adding skincare products. Now, I, maybe you could tell us what your skincare products are, because I want to share that with everyone to make sure people get a chance to listen, because we're here to share not only the stories of lard, but why why Pharaoh uh, uh, skincare uh, looks and sounds so beneficial that I think we all should look at it more. Sure. So, so we we have we have four products. Um, we have a. I've got them here. We have, this is our, this is probably our most popular product. This is our skin food. Uh, we have here, I'll show them all together. We have a skin food, face food, and this is a CBD uh, sublingual elixir. This is our total skincare bundle. Now you can buy them separately or together. Uh, that was our flagship product that we, we launched with. So face food for the face, skin food for the neck down, rest of the body. Uh, you know, the, the skincare industry wants you to special products for up here, you know, upper eye cream, lower eye cream. And then, uh, so we've got those three products. And then, uh, actually I launched it at KetoCon. This is our Epic Dermis, uh, different, different scent profile, different, uh, formulation, but, and portable packable. Uh, so we're, we're sort of simultaneously trying to compete with the high-end bathroom countertop, you know, luxury skincare products, and also those busy on the go, you know, uh, we call it epic dermis. So uh, an epic life is hard on the skin. So you you know pack it with you and, and take care of yourself. But th those are just just four product. We we have some more in development, and uh, working on a deodorant, working on a soap, working on a, a number of different products that uh, that I, that I'm excited to at some point. I, I I'm a, we're <laughs> we're a small company. I'm in I'm in the the fulfillment office. Uh, of our of our little Faro business, and so product development's actually really my my love and passion. I love getting in the kitchen and tinkering around, and so we're we're working on that now. But our but our four products are absolutely fantastic. Well, tell um, me about the the face cream. Um, sure, a little bit about it. What what what's in it, and when and how should we use it? Who should use it? Yep. So our face food comes in scented and unscented. Um, our, all of our scents are, are organic essential oils. We don't use any synthetics, none of that. So it's, it's easy for me to ring off the ingredients of our unscented uh, version. So the ingredients in order of preference or, or uh, in order of concentration are leaf lard, uh, tallow, lard, and honey. So four ingredients in our unscented version. And then with the scented version, you throw on top of that some lavender, grapefruit, and sandalwood essential oils. And so, you know, very pronounceable, very edible, uh, very, very uh, manageable ingredient list. Uh, leaf lard is, is, is perhaps a fat I need to explain for the listener. That's, that seems to be the one no one knows about anymore. So uh, most folks are familiar with tallow, beef tallow. Uh, specifically and uh, of the of the animal fat based skincare market currently in existence everyone's tallow with, with the exception of pharaoh we're, we're sort of unique in that uh so tallow is the, the rendered visceral fat from a ruminant animal and or, or viverous ruminant species predominantly a, a cow 
-hmm. Leaf lard is the rendered visceral fat from a pig. So the kidney, you know, internal kidney fat, uh, it was, it still is prized, although no one knows about it anymore. It was prized at the turn of the century as a baking fat because visceral fat on, on a monogastric omnivore pig, uh, does not, uh, contain any flavor or smell. So if you're baking, it doesn't impart any flavor or, or, or aroma to your pie crust muffins pastries. And so it was, it was prized for that at the turn of the century. And we use it in, uh, in, in higher concentration in our face product because it's odorless and, you know, not everybody's necessarily right. The smell is not, it doesn't smell like bacon. Everyone says large going to smell like bacon. Um, is this, is, is this, is this visceral, uh, uh, perirenal fat, retroperitoneal fat, these are the same, are they mostly brown fat? Uh, it's, it's, it's white inside the animal. Uh, so okay. I, I know I, we've technically got three kinds of fat, right? You got the subcutaneous, you got the visceral, and then this, this, uh, brown fat. I'm, I'm, I'm playing a lot of catch up on the, on, no. on the fat world, but, um, so the leaf the, fat the, the, is the visceral fat or the perirenal fat. Is that is that correct on the on the pig? And, yep, and it's, it's, it, it's organ fat. Okay, so it's is yep. that the mental fat? Would we, you know, again, I'm, this is a there's a lot of fat around the heart, around the kidneys, and and um, not much fat around the liver actually, but but uh, kidneys and and um, and uh, the heart have a lot of fat around it in general. Um, yep. And so this, this fat, is, go ahead. Um, think about this fat as a self-contained organ. Okay. So it, it's generally padding the kidneys. And so w w when you, when you slaughter a, a, a pig and you hang it in the freezer or, or a cow for that matter, you know, again, cows have this same, uh, it's called uh, soot uh, is the, is the visceral uh, kidney fat on, on a beef or ruminant. But when, when you've cooled off that carcass, yes, you're right. There's fat around the heart. There's fat, there's fat everywhere viscerally. But this is almost like peeling your, your tonsil off the back of your neck. You can go into that carcass and grab the leaf fat on a pig and literally pull it out like you're pulling off a Band-Aid. It's a self-contained, it's got its own sort of encasing. Um, and you just you peel that off, grind it up, and render it. As opposed to uh, subcutaneous back fat, uh, you know, the, the fat in bacon is subcutaneous fat, the fat on a pork chop. That's more of a, um, of a built fat. It's, it, you know, it grows over time and, um, and it's, it's got a, a much more dense cellular makeup. The, the, the key thing to remember, and th this is, I think, why this is why tallow is such a popular uh, uh, fat in, 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 in animal-based skincare is because of it. it the, it's the visceral nature of the fat. So in humans, in pigs and, and in ruminants, the, this, this fat is not the, the biological function of this fat is not to store things. It is to protect these organs, right? So as that animal, human, pig, or cow is metabolizing its environment and storing nutrients or pulling nutrients. It's not doing that in its visceral fat. You know, think about it. Think about there's a, there's a membrane around the organs that keeps things out. Okay. 
And so it allows for that fat to be fairly clean uh, in terms of, is the animal eating a proper diet? Is it getting injected with hormones or antibiotics? Where, where, where are those things being stored? They're not being stored in the visceral fat. So you can, you can take a cow from an industrial uh, uh, agricultural system, you know, a, a, a CAFO or a feedlot that's, that's not been fed a very good diet for the last few months. And you can pull the visceral fat off that animal and it's still of high quality, high in vitamin A and various other minerals and nutrients, but also devoid of think about like toxic storage from its environment. Right. Hmm. And so that's one of the, the majestic things about visceral fat. Interesting. Um, and so this is, so we use it in our face food. Okay. And so let's talk about the, um, uh, the, the, uh, uh, what was the rest of the body food? Skin food. Yes. What's that? Uh, we have face food neck up and skin food neck down. All right. And tell us a little about the components of the, the, uh, the, uh, skin food. The, the ingredients will look exactly the same. This is a, the question I probably get the most. It's like, I'm looking at the labels and the ingredients are the same. They are, the ratios are different. So with, with skin food, we go lard heavy. Okay. And so in order of concentration in it, we, we're basically just flipping lard and leaf lard. So we put more lard in our skin food, uh, and then some tallow and then, uh, less leaf lard and then honey and then the essential oils. Uh, and, same, same essential oil profile in our scented product for skin food as well. And why the honey? You know, honey's just fantastic for the skin and we use raw honey. Um, it, it's got a lot of different benefits. The, the, the reason I use it, uh, is because I use this stuff on my hands at skin. It, it, again, it's, it's antimicrobial. Uh, it's got a lot of factors that sort of help with the skin and there's a little bit of waxy in there. And so mm-hmm. it sort of helps retain moisture. I like it because it leaves just the slightest tack on my skin after, you know, after the creams have soaked in and, uh, and my, my skin has consumed them. I've still got, I've still got grip. I'm not super greasy. And so that's one of the reasons we use it. And, and the essential oils, obviously to give people a little bit of a scent that they're looking for in their skin products. Yes. You know, that's funny. I'm, I, when we first launched the company, you know, I got to order labels and jars and all this fun stuff. And I was convinced that I'll tell you that I ordered like 3000 scented labels and 500 unscented labels. Just, just knowing no one's going to want to smell animal fat. And it's blown my mind. Our number one selling product is our unscented skincare duo. So that's the uh, skin food and face food together in an unscented version. And I, I actually, you'll love this. I started with our scented product and I actually use our unscented product more regularly. Now it, it doesn't, it really doesn't have a smell to it. Uh, so it's very natural. I, I find it extremely calming, almost like a grounding version of skincare. Um, but I love our scented product. Uh, lavender's fantastic. It's good for sleep. It's great for the skin. The, the grapefruit gives it a nice energy. Uh, I think you asked earlier, like, how should people use this? I, I typically tell if you know, if someone orders and says, what, where, where do I start? I say, put a little bit on, you know, whether it's face, body, wherever at night before you go to bed, you know, 15, 20 minutes before you're going, if you've got a problem area or you just want to moisturize your face, you know, a lot of, especially women have a nightly 
sort of take the day off routine. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. That's right. And so for for women, I say, throw it in your routine. You're done washing your face. Just a little, you know, uh, little goes a really long way. You know, there's no water. It's a full fat product. For men, uh, and, and this is actually another surprise, I, I've, we have about 40% of our customers are men, and which is unheard of in the skincare market, but we, you know, we, we want to serve both. And for men, I say, throw it in your morning routine. So if you're shaving or, you know, just generally doing your, your morning upkeep, you know, use it as an aftershave, put a little on your hands, you know, just, just sort of get it post-workout. That's another great, you know, your feet are beat up after, after a run or your hands are beaten up after, you know, doing a Fran workout or something, you know, pull up bar or kettlebells. I'm a kettlebell guy. So I'm constantly sort of lathering up after a, after a kettlebell session. So yeah, just, just fit it into once a day, fit it into somewhere into your routine and, uh, and, and you're going to absolutely love it. And, you know, if you, and then if something comes along, you know, if you get a sunburn, if you get a mosquito bite, if, I mean, I've tried this stuff on chiggers. I mean, my poor kids, they're nine and almost 11. And, and, um, you know, they love it. They help me with the company. They're very, I call them my vice presidents of marketing and vice presidents of manufacturing. And so, um, yeah, they've been little test subjects the whole way. And I mean, literally everything from sunburn to chiggers to mosquito bites to everything. And and that's, you know, Dr. Kills, that's one of my biggest motivations in, in, in starting this company was just looking around at this just toxic soup of, of chemicals in our current skincare and, you know, looking at these kids going, you know, the sunscreens, I mean, the, uh, just sunscreen is just awful. And we're, we're working on a product, you know, on, on a sunscreen type product uh, as well. But um, just thinking about them and, you know, hor- well, I want I, you to grow up with good hormones. Well, I, I you know, I always go back to um, we, we, we wash too frequently. And the current soaps we're using are no longer uh, animal-based; they're they're plant-based, which which right. again we're washing too frequently, which we're moving the oils, our natural oils that are meant to hor- to keep the microbes down and protect our skin. And like the same thing happens in the sun now, so we've removed the the sebum, the proper oils that we made to prevent the burning and the damage. I like to tell people, I like to tell them to wash every day. You know, I I take a shower every day. I, I use soap maybe twice a month. You know, you you can do a lot with, with warm water and a washcloth. And, um, I I love to, I love to open that line up and mixed company toward the end of the evening. Cause if you say that early people, you know, they, they don't want to talk to you. They're not going to hang around. They, they, they get some distance from you because they think you're going to sm- – it's just craziest thing. Well, it's um, interesting. I've been carnivore for over 13 years, and I wash less frequently. And I I literally go into a cold shower and just rinse off a minute. And my partner's, did you use soap? And I don't say anything because I don't. And, and I, you know, I'm always going like this and I don't smell anymore. And every, every so often I'm like, mm, okay, maybe I just better wash up. But I find it very fascinating that simply by going to a animal-based diet, 
I, my, my, uh, body odor and my feeling dirty has just gone away. And ultimately for the first three and a half million years, you know, you, you know, it's, we lived in nature and we didn't likely, um, have the problems we have today because we weren't cleansing all the time. And we didn't, I don't even use deodorant of any significance or frequency. So my bet is the same thing comes with the utilization of the, the lard on the skin, which it suppresses the microbes and it's the microbial consumption of the sugars on your skin that are likely responsible for body odor. Oh, I, yeah, I, I think most of the problems we deal with today, well, if you stunk a million years ago, you were dead. Because the, yes, the predator yes. could smell you, so they, um, and they and then and and they, they weren't hanging around with you. They said, "Go hang out over there," yeah, and that, maybe right. that'll bring the uh, the the beasts in. That's right. Tie, tie yeah. you to a tree as a as a as a decoy. Uh, yeah, I think I think I think body. I I've been on a similar carnivorous journey uh, now, only for about eight months, but similar story to yours. I, you know, my skin feels great. I don't have body odor, you know, and if I go work out really hard and, you know, I'm wearing a shirt and I get sweaty. Yeah. But it, I'm, I'm a few minutes under a cold shower away from just not smelling anymore. And so, yeah, I think, I think it's the sugar. I think, I think it's the lack of animal fats. Again, back to your point. I think, I think the, again, we, we really don't understand how often, how frequently every member of our household was in contact with animal fat just 150 years ago. It was, you know, I mean, it, you hunted, you gathered. I mean, obviously we had cities, but we, we were we were in constant exposure and consumption of of arguably the highest quality animal fat you can get your hands on. You know, everything was pastured and lived a lived a frolicly awesome life. You know, a couple hundred years ago, so. Yeah. I wanted to ask about your CBD uh, product and what are your thoughts on, on that um, for health and wellness? Yeah. I, so uh, at the time of the sunburn, I was in the middle of a CBD um, company. We, we were, we were playing around with it. So all of our products we, we grew in, in our local regenerative pastures uh, so it's really high quality, you know, seed to seal situation. And I, I, um, I've done a, enough research to, I like the CBD compound and it's in its isolated, we use distillate, there's isolate as well, but I, you know, the, the marijuana plant or hemp plant has like 120 some odd compounds in it. Um, and, and we're just, I think we're just scratching the surface on some of the benefits of the various compounds. Um, I, you know, Obviously, the psychoactive THC is is one of those compounds. I think a lot of health benefits get sort of muddied mm -hmm. by the psychoactive experience. And so, yeah, it's been shown to reduce anxiety, um, encourage calmness, uh, re reduce inflammation. And so we I, what I tell people is, uh, you know, the elixir is sort of encouraging skin health through homeostasis from the inside out and the creams are working from the outside in. And so I, I think it's a great product. I, I just, I literally just got a testimonial from someone yesterday that's just using 
just using our elixir and her skin tags are starting to, you know, to, to dissipate and fall off. And I, you know, oh. I, I got to get on Google and start yeah. around, but yeah, I mean, you know, who knows? It's inflammatory. It's, it's, it's an it's, anti-inflammatory. That's what, and ultimately human beings, I mean, modern medicine still has value. The herbal medicine still has some value. And I, and I think CBD oil, because it's a natural product that can help, uh, it alleviates some of the symptoms that we suffer from as human beings as we're working on the carnivore way, both internal and external. Yep. And yeah, so we, we use a distillate product. So in this in the hemp oil space, okay, and, and this is important for your listeners, you have a lot of hemp oils that are really cheap and they're seed derived. I would avoid those. I would completely avoid seed derived hemp oil. Uh, you know, back to the seed oil argument. So ours is ours is plant derived. We extracted it from the from the actual plant, and we use a distillate. The reason we use a distillate is because there's a lot of fake. We could have taken our distillate to an isolate. Uh, I do like having sort of that one notch above completely isolated compound, but we keep the ingredients really simple. It's an MCT oil. It's the distillate. And we, we use a little bit of orange essential oil, gives it a little bit of a citrusy flavor. Think more orange peel, not orange juice, but I really like it in the morning. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a cog in the wheel, you know, and it's just like carnivore diet is, I, our, our bodies want to be, they want to be healthy. They want to thrive. Our skin wants to glow. So we just got to give it the tools to encourage that process and that you know lard on the skin does that eating animal fat based you know carnivore i'm sort of a pragmatic carnivore uh so 99 meat and then you know i got young kids so we'll have fresh apples or fruit you know my daughter just had a birthday bake it i mean you bake a gluten-free cake treat treat, and- treat from time to time but never cheat and I think we're human beings live in a world of many things that are far more risky than a cookie cake or ice cream from time to time. See, I'd rather eat a cookie cake or ice cream than a fruit or a vegetable or a seed or nut of any time. Because I think the the simplicity of the the cookie cake or ice cream, when you have just very micronized, simple sugars, are less harmful than the actual complex carb, which comes with the antigens and the, and the other chemicals. And, you know, those are the things and, and, and fiber doesn't digest very well in our gut because it fuels the microbiome, which is part of the deadly part. And, and a a high plant-based diet uh, provides a high sugar um, environment to the skin, which if you used the, the Faro skincare, the, the lard products, you'd actually suppress the microbes even if you are in the plant-based eating world, you'd probably get a lot of benefits. I would think. I, I think we have the best skincare product on the market and, um, it, smart lard, the lard works in mysterious way. Okay. So smart lard, let me, let me spend a second on that. So we're the only lard game in town. Uh, and one of the, one of the, dark sides to pork production in this country today is that about 99, 98% of the pigs raised in this country never see the sun grow up in a house, you know, very, very poor environment, poor food, all, all the bad. The industrial pork scene in the U.S. is is really, really horrid. 
um, as opposed to, you know, the beef scene, which, you know, concentrated animal feeding lots and some of these feedlots aren't great, but every cow gets grass for 16, 17 months of its life, right? Because they, it's a longer gestation period. Um, you know, pigs from birth to what you would call market weight, you know, off to the butcher is, you know, anywhere from seven to eight months. And so, um, yeah, so smart lard, since we're the first game in town, is sort of our organic, you know, certified organic seal of approval. You have to raise, I tell people, the swine is divine, but the lard is hard. You have to raise a healthy, happy pig or they're going to, because they're omnivores and monogastric, they're going to directly store toxicity and poor environmental factors in their fat. And so smart lard is my way of telling the consumer this, this lard is of the highest quality, both in animal husbandry, but also in vitamin content, minerals, um, and, and lack of, lack of toxicity. So is there, is there a higher omega three, uh, level in the regenerative farming, um, pigs than there would be in there where there's a higher omega six in the sort of industrially raised. I don't know that answer is completely. I've, I've been listening to some of the conversations about that. I know that the, the Iberico ham, the, the, those raised Spanish. In, in the Spanish, yep. uh, 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 tend to be, again, they're, they're all, um, regenerative and, and sort of, um, uh, foraging for mostly, um, um, uh, nuts, um, acorns and things like that, um, which tends to have a little better omega three, omega six ratio. Yeah, I, I would say the, the short answer is we don't officially know what's driving those six to three ratios more diet or environment, right? Yeah. Again, I, I could argue they are equal in terms of their impact to the ratio. Yeah, I think you said uh, increased omega. What we're trying to do is, is reduce the omega-6 at Correct. per omega-3. So br bring that ratio down to something more on the ancestral side. Uh, I, I will say that I, I have seen some much better numbers in uh, regeneratively, re regeneratively raised or pasture-based pork than the industrial pork. I haven't looked at the Spanish stuff what I can't tell you is, is that coming from the environment they're in or the diet they're eating? And and the answer is probably somewhere around both. I just don't know where to weigh uh, one's importance over the other. I, I personally drew the line at soy. I don't think soy is very good for humans or pigs. Yeah. Uh, Wasn't certainly their natural the, food? No, no, it's not. I mean, thank God we're omnivores, right? Thank thank the Lord we're omnivores, but I think we're preferentially carnivores. And so, um, yeah, I, I, for me, soy, especially modern soy, you know, we get into this genetically modified stuff. Now we're, we're talking about a completely different, you know, food stuff, uh, wheat, soy, all of it is, is very different now than it was, you know, even 50 years ago. And so again, fortunately for pigs, they're, they're, monogastric omnivores, just like humans. And so they can thrive in multiple environments, uh, hot, cold, but I, I don't think that soy as a, as a particular part of their food is a good idea. 
And I'm not convinced that the ratios matter very much. I, I have not taken care of anyone where I said, oh, your omega-3 and 6 ratios are off, and this is why you're sick. You know, it's simply you're eating plants and you're not eating enough fatty meat. That's the thing that I think is really the simplicity of it. I, I get a little frustrated with the, with the PUFA argument just because it, it's uh, it, it's I think it's throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Like I would I would rather someone indeed eat industrially raised, you know, white. By the way, pork is not white; it's 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 pink or red. But yeah. I would rather someone eat you know store bought pork than a box of Cheerios, right? Absolutely. And Absolutely. so I I think we give people an opportunity to uh, create an excuse for, okay, well, I, you know, if I say that, you know, they're not going to go buy the store-bought pork, right? I, I don't know where I can get regeneratively raised pork. Well, that's, you know, go eat, go eat your store-bought pork. Uh, now I would preferentially put, if, we, if we're going to jump from skincare to diet, I would prefer preferentially put beef well above pork in terms of going to the store and buying meat for your family to eat just because again every cow gets 16 months of grass it's a it's an herbivorous ruminant species so how they metabolize and store things is very different than a pig uh pigs and chickens are monogastric omnivores you know so yeah. if well, you're shopping to eat preferentially uh put beef and, and and other ruminant species at the top of the list for sure we hunted for big beef we didn't hunt for chickens um we might have hit the wild pig obviously we hunted for but i i agree with you you know it was really the 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 large uh, uh, beef cows that's what we really focused on for uh, human evolution i think that's much healthier for sure anything that i haven't mentioned that you wanted to particularly comment about and mention something about your products or had some questions for me well um you sort of alluded to it earlier with the, I, I'm, I have, so I have two people testing uh, our product both for as a, um, as a lubricant. And I've also got a, a, a gynecologist in New Jersey that's been testing it for uh, what's the term. Hold on. Vaginal atrophy. So I guess the thinning of the vaginal wall post-menopause um, and it dries out. And so, um, I, I'm curious what your thoughts are. What, so in the fertility world, we've obviously got all these endocrine disruptors. Uh, I would also argue that a lot of the lubricants and female uh, male products are all petroleum-based junk. And so I, I don't really know mechanistically how that's um, impacting but that's I, that's a threat i'd love to you know and we can come on another time and talk about it but i uh well I, it's a I, very good important topic because i'm ultimately ultimately sensuality and sex is critical to relationship and family building into our lives it is probably one of the most important things but no one wants to talk about it and tremendous amount of sexual dysfunction male and female uh, vaginal dryness, vaginismus, pelvic pain, endometriosis, uh, chronic uh, recurrent bladder and vaginal infections. And my bet is the chronic inflammation secondary to the plant-based low animal fat diet, it, it fuels the colon's inflammation, which mm. 
out the rectum, into the vagina, up around the penis and into the urethra and all these things, which, which causes this chronic and acute inflammatory areas. And so we do know that animal fat suppresses inflammation and it suppresses microbial growth. So it makes sense that if you actually reduce the inflammation secondary to the excessive microbial growth, both um, uh, yeast, mold, uh, bacteria, and likely viruses, but other microbes are there also that would be suppressed by using that. And by doing that, you allow the natural rejuvenation of the glycobiome, the glycocalyx, which is damaged by excessive sugars circulating in your bloodstream, which then they inundate every interstitial cellular air of your body and they feed the microbes, which again, cause breakdown, just like the, 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 the burn of my skin, the breakdown of the covering allows the infection inflammation to continue. So I think that utilizing a, a animal fat in these sensual areas could significantly help. Now, I'm not giving you a study. I haven't seen it, but it makes a tremendous amount of sense. And, and once you're in menopause, uh, then your estrogen secretion is much lower or gone. And so the, the breakdown of the glycobiome, the sugar layer of your skin, which is critical, uh, can likely be replenished by uh, protecting that and allowing the the natural healing process to happen by mostly reducing the microbes, which are part of the problem. And then the burning, because I don't know, some some young man just died of eating a chip with an excessively high chili content, which which I used to eat a tremendous amount of chili peppers. And I, I'd always make the hottest chili when I was medical school. I used to sell salsa because I made a homemade salsa and it, it was very good very hot. But what we don't realize is that something may not be noticeably hot, but it has a slow burn, mm -hmm. maybe a cold burn where it just disrupts that protective glycocalyx and allows the microbes or causes other inflammatory actions. Because once again, our allergies are secondary to plant antigens, which if they're in these products that are that are petroleum where they add some other plant scents or things like that, it's likely going to continue to, to degrade and, and damage it. So I'm very interested in, in, in um, a uh, animal based fat product that I think could be very helpful uh, because so many people are suffering. And I've seen so many people that simply went carnivore fatty meat and their sex and sensual life improved, male and female. Reproductive um, success improved, many um, uh, more pregnancies and less miscarriages. And, and then the pelvic pain and the chronic uh, recurrent uh, vaginal and vulvar and, um, uh, infections go away or reduce significantly. So uh, if you're working on a product, be glad to help. I think it's critical because this world of, of, uh, of, of painful sex or no sex because of the pain that you're worried about getting uh, is re um, ruining relationships and, and breaking people apart. Are you familiar with the JAMA study? I think it was, it was in the 2000 and teens. 
I'll send it to you when I find it. So they did a JAMA study. This this folds right in with with some of your thoughts. They so Neosporin, you're familiar, the most broadly used antibacterial cream on the planet. They did a study on abrasions and cuts between uh, Neosporin and petroleum jelly. So effectively, the same main ingredient, this petrochelum or what the, the petroleum derivative that is petroleum jelly. But over here in Neosporin land, you've got all these antibacterial ingredients in addition to the jelly. Zero efficacy in, in preventing uh, bacterial infection in wounds between these two products. And so, I, you know, back to your point about we have to protect our skin because the minute it's permeable, then these, these bugs can get in. And so I, I would... I would certainly put our skin food up against uh, any petroleum product now. I will I will be glad to keep you posted on any um, sensual products that we that we develop. And um, yeah, but it, I would I think you would enjoy that study. It's sort of again, it sheds some light on me. It's it's not what's in the cream so much as it is seal off hermetically seal off that wound so that things can't get in. And and so. And, and the glyco, and because it's interesting about the fat and the honey, because that's going because the, see, the body requires sugar, but not to eat. The glycobiome is the sugar layer that is the barcode that says, come on in or stay out. It's the protective healing component. It's the reason we're alive. Without the glycobiome, we would be dead. With the microbiome, we're dying. See, I'm still arguing the point that I think the microbes in and on our skin are not our friends. We co-evolved with them because we live in an environment of tremendous amount of microbes and sugars and lean meat in our last few hundred years. And the science is all gaming the fact that the microbes are good and there's some bad but I bet we've labeled them incorrectly. They're never good because you would never put them in an open wound and you certainly wouldn't inject them into an egg, sperm, or embryo. Oh, no, no, you wouldn't. You, you would certainly not do that. And I, I, I certainly agree with you that they're, they're supposed to stay on the outside. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. Pe people don't understand every, from our mouth to our southbound tunnels, all of that, Everyone, it is outside of our bodies. It, it really Nothing is. Gets, it's absolutely outside of our bodies. And so these microbes break down the gastrointestinal glycobiome. They get into the lymphatics. They get into the blood vessels. That is not good. No. And so we are missing the point. Um, but um, Charles, I'd really just love to thank you for being here today and sharing uh, Pharaoh skincare products and how lard uh from from um, these smart i'm gonna call them smart pigs pigs are oh, yeah. one of the smartest uh, because you're right phil ovati is a good good guy i i love him we have good conversations but you're right the the pig i say the pig glycobiome is the closest to you and i and so our bodies don't react against them very well because it's the sugars that we react against and things like that but maybe you could just tell everyone how people can find your products and learn more about what you have to share. Sure. The, the best place to go, just because 
people don't know how to spell Pharaoh. If you go to lardforthewin.com, lardforthewin.com, and give us your email address, uh, we'll send you a huge discount code on our products. The, the website is pharaoh, F-A-R-R-O-W, dot life. And of course, we're on Instagram. I think it's pharaoh skin and Twitter. We're at pharaoh life. But yeah, just uh, any of those, if, if, if just look us up and and uh, we, we'd be happy to lather you up. And and uh, we would love to support and sponsor your products. Maybe we can help by helping people get a discount uh, by by uh, utilizing your products. And I'd love to uh, get a chance to test them out a little bit more. But I, I think as we're, we're talking about this more and more, realizing that it's, it's animal fat that is the most anti-inflammatory uh, that we know. And by utilizing it more, uh, will will reduce the risk of getting these disorders, and will likely heal up even faster. I, well, I everyone, could thank not you. agree more. Yeah, thank you very much for for sharing with us and checking out Carnivore Conversations. Don't forget to like and subscribe, and check out uh, uh, the uh, uh, Feral Skin Care, uh, and we'll put links to all of that for everyone. So, thank you, Charles. Appreciate you. Thank you, Dr. Kiltz. It's always a pleasure to see you. All right. Love you guys. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Carnivore Conversations, hosted by me, Dr. Robert Kiltz. And don't forget to review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening today. Check out drkiltz.com for more and subscribe to our Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and Facebook for more inspiring content every day. Take care and see you next time.